0: Amen. You may be seated. Friends, if you haven't been with us for the last couple of weeks, then this is going to be a surprise to you, but today's going to be a little bit different service. Uh, I've been here now for six months, and as you're... <laughs> not a drop mic moment yet. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I need that later. <laughs> and I felt like... I wanted to do something that I've never done with a congregation on a Sunday morning, which is to kind of give a state of, of the church address to you to let you know what I've been sensing. We're going to look back. We're going to look forward. Uh, but just if you're a guest this morning, just know that this is not a typical service for us. Uh, we're doing something a little bit different, but it will help you have a window into where God has been moving in our church for the last six months and where I think we're headed as a congregation. Also, just for parents, we have kids in our worship with us for the first part of our service. Uh, we're going to dismiss them after I get through part one of this, so just about 10, 12 minutes or so, we'll, we'll do our offering, and so then we'll dismiss our kids at that point, so I just wanted you to be aware of that. Okay, so there'll be slides up on the screen so you can see some of what I'm talking about. I think the place to start for us on this State of the Church Sunday is with the statement, How Great is Our God? We chose that song for a reason. I think this is the theme for us as we progress through this information. How great is our God? The psalmist writes in chapter 77, I will remember the deeds of the Lord, yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God. Amen? Amen. So this is a good place for us to start. For God has been good to Calvary community through her many years. On March 27, 1925, 19 people... With the oversight of C.B. Jernigan, which might not be a name that means much to you, but he is one of our founding fathers of our denomination. And at the time, he was the district superintendent for New York. They came together in a house, and they started our church. They reported 25 members at the end of that year, and they raised $1,641. How's that sound? (laughs) It was a different time (laughs) today friends we have 265 members and last year we reported an income a church income of five hundred and seven thousand three hundred and eighty eight dollars how great is our God by the way that means we're coming up on our hundred year anniversary so we're gonna have to be celebrating that's right In this first section, I want to help us know where we have been as a church by looking back to see mainly what's happened in the last six months or so. I think it's critical for us to acknowledge what God has been doing and to rejoice in that together. So I'm going to give you some statistics over the last six months. Let's start with attendance. I actually think in order for you to understand where we are today, you need to step back a little bit further. So let's start in 1998. That year, we reported 144 as our average attendance. Ten years later, we reported 348, our high-water mark for attendance. From 2009 to 2020, we slipped from 348 to 252 as our average. And two years ago, we reported 108 as our average attendance. Calvary has taken a significant hit because of the turmoil of COVID. But also, we need to remember that at the same time that COVID was rearing its u- ugly head amongst our, our society, you were also celebrating uh, the retirement of a minister that was with you for 20-plus years in Mark Blankenship. And then, in the in-between years, we had another pastoral transition— So the disruptions since 2020 have been real for our congregation, and we need to acknowledge that. The attendance outlook has not trended the way that we would want for a number of years now, but I have some good news for us. Last year, we reported an average attendance of 150 in our congregation. And this year, friends, we're halfway through, so we're, our fiscal year ends at the end of, no, of February, and so that's kind of odd how our, our system works, but we're halfway through, essentially 27 weeks into our year, and we're reporting an average attendance of 177 in worship. Yeah, I think we can rejoice. We go from 108 to 177. That's pretty good in a couple years. I also want you to know that there have been several Sundays this year that we've had over 190 in attendance. So uh, I think there are reasons for us to be hopeful. God is good, isn't He? He has brought Calvary through the disruption of a pandemic and two pastoral transitions, and the numbers suggest that we are growing again. But I don't want you to think all that I care about as your pastor is warm bodies in chairs. That's not all that I care about. We want to be a church where lives are being transformed. Amen? Amen. And one way that we can do that is by gauging our baptisms, following or tracking our baptisms. Two years ago, we reported one baptism for that year. Last year, we had seven baptisms. And this year, halfway through the year, we have four that we've done. In an impromptu survey on one of the Sundays in the spring, I asked you to report to me if any of you had made a commitment to Christ in the last year, and if any of you had experienced sanctification in the last year. This was what I got back from you, the congregation. We had 12 report conversion, saying yes to Jesus, giving their life to Christ. And 22, that were experiencing God's sanctifying work, his work of holiness in us. These numbers represent new life and real spiritual growth. In other words, transformation. Another marker for healthy churches is membership. In the last two years, we've received four and five members. But this year, again, halfway through the church year, we've received 17 members into our congregation. Or 14, excuse me. Do three more want to join today so I can... (laughs) We'll we'll make it happen. (laughs) I hope you are seeing that by several accounts, we have evidence of God moving among us. Lives are being changed, and for that we declare how great is our God. To stop here, though, is to miss out on other markers that may help us know what God is doing in Calvary. Recently, I wanted to know how many were involved in some of our ministries in terms of volunteering or participating uh, in leadership. It's hard to track this perfectly, but the conservative number I was able to come up with with is 84 individuals who have been involved in a ministry or volunteer opportunity in our congregation so far this year. Of those 84, 27 I'm able to find or log are involved in two ministries— And at least 12 are involved in three or more ministries in our church this year. But let's dig a little bit deeper into this number. Venture, our compassionate ministry center, averages about 26 volunteers each month. This represents 713 total volunteer hours so far this year. In our children's ministry, we average nine volunteers each week, although that number decreased in our summer months. But even accounting for that, we've had over 260 volunteer hours committed to speaking into the lives of our children so far this year. In our teen ministry, something like 450 hours have been volunteered on Sundays and Tuesdays. And friends, this does not even account for those volunteers that went... uh, to Florida with our students to Nazarene Youth Conference, or those that went to camp this summer to volunteer at camp. And our worship team has volunteered at least 550 or 40 hours so far this year in just preparation for Sunday morning worship. Friends, over half of our congregation is involved in some way in a ministry in our church. That's awesome. It really is. And this doesn't even account for the 60-plus people that came to We Love Our Church Serve Day, where we did all that cleanup on our property, that had all age groups, by the way. This number also does not include those who have made meals for people in our church family. Did you know that since January 1st of this year, that we have provided at least 79 meals to those who have lost loved ones, had a medical need, or a family crisis of some nature in our church. And speaking of meals, we need to praise God for the formation of Venture Compassionate Ministry in the work of David Rydell and his volunteer team. A key component of Venture is the food pantry. As of the end of August, 529 households have been given food this year. This represents nearly 1,700 individuals, from senior adults to children. And we've given little over 22,000 pounds of food at the halfway point of our year. Echoing the psalmist, I want to say... When I look at your deeds, your mighty ways, oh, how can I not help but cry out, how great is our God? Venture also has a ministry for women with at-risk pregnancies and single moms. In the last two sessions, Embrace Life has had 36 volunteers and has helped seven women find love and hope for life's journey. Church, why am I sharing this with you? Because I want you to know that hundreds and hundreds of hours have been spent making relationships, praying, reading scripture. In other words, making disciples this year. And when we consider the food pantry, we need to see this as a critical part of our evangelism to our community. Because each person is not only receiving food and and the love of God in the midst of that, but we offer to pray with each person. We take their prayer requests. It is our biggest component of evangelism to our community. So when I consider all the discipleship and evangelism, I want to say, praise be to God. How about you? So we started with these numbers. $1,641 and $507,388. The amounts raised in our first year and last year This year, we have raised so far, again, 27 weeks into the year, so about the halfway point, $232,772. To be on pace with what we're budgeted, we should be at around $244,000. So you can see that we are a little shy of what we're budgeted to date. But before we get deeper into this, let me just take a moment to celebrate with you. Because in the midst of what has been a financially tight situation for us, we've managed to do some things. We managed to seal the parking lot, which cost us a little over $10,000, and I'm very grateful for us being able to do that. Our parking lot needed it. Did you know that we rekeyed all the doors in our facility? Initially, we thought that was going to cost us thousands of dollars, but through the help of Dick Post and Lee Markle, we were able to save thousands of dollars and did it for about a couple hundred dollars, I think. We raised over $3,300 for the Lum family to go on their mission trip, which is gonna happen in just a couple weeks. We had donated time and products given to repaint the two fire hydrants on our property and the yellow striping along our curbs, and we have George Snyder over here to thank for that. Um, yeah, <laughs> applaud him. We sent 26 students to Nazarene Youth Conference, NYC, and raised $35,000 to do that. And friends, the result of that, if you didn't know, I hope you know this, but students came back experiencing God in a profound way, with some even maybe sensing a call to ministry, praise God. We repainted posts and fixed the handicapped parking lot signs out front. We have Lee Markle to thank for that. And that these, some of these things may sound like really small things and not that big of a deal, but actually I think each little thing says something about our church and how we care about our property and our facility and, and our presentation to our community. We couldn't have done this if we didn't have so much donated time. We're in the midst of adding new signage into our building. Did you notice that it was up this morning? We have David Rydell to thank for that. We wanted, we knew that we needed to make it easier for our guests to navigate in our facility, and so we needed something that stood out a little bit more, so I'm appreciative of David's work on that. We've also created new styles and forms of communication. There's been the bulletin that has been uh, changed, the E! News that has been readapted for us, Uh, We now have follow-up sermon videos that we're doing. In other words, friends, even though we've experienced a bit of a tight budget in this first part of our year, guess what? Things are changing, and we are doing things that are moving us forward. So I'm mindful of what the psalmist says to us. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago, and maybe not so long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God. Through the last six months, we've tried to make decisions that continue to put ministry first in our allocations, in the allocation of our tithes and offerings. And it seems like this would be a good point to s- stop and pause in our in my presentation to say thanks to God. Thanks for what he's done the last six months. Thanks for what he's done through the history of Calvary community since 1925. And so to help us as we think about giving back to God out of our tithes and o- for our tithes and offerings this morning, I've asked Dan Briggs, who is on our church board, but he's also our finance chair, to come and offer a prayer for us over our tithes and offerings let me just, we're, we're doing good on our time here, so let me just offer a thank you. And have you help me show appreciation to our ministry leaders. We've celebrated in the first half just some highlights of what's happened so far this year. And of course, I couldn't give you every detail of what's happened. Uh, didn't report on quilting ministry, for instance. I didn't tell you all that's happened through our missions department. We didn't have time to say every, every piece. But all of those things really represent the work of, of people, leaders in our church that are helping to guide us. And so I just want to say thank you to Tyler, uh, who leads our, our worship ministry, and Mark Bowers helps him. You might have noticed that Mark wasn't here today. Uh, we have Ed playing piano, so Ed, thanks for stepping in for us. Um <laughs> But Mark helps Tyler with our worship. And then we have Carrie, of course, leading our our teen ministry. And Emily's leading our children's ministry. Then we have Patty that's working in the office for us. And David Rydell leads our venture. And so a lot of time and energy and a lot of work goes into helping a church be a church. And we have to thank uh, our ministry leaders for that. So would you give a little sign of appreciation for all the work that they've done. It would be nice to end here, but the picture I've been painting for you really isn't complete. The challenges that lie before us are significant. So let's start with our finances and what I'm calling the missing piece. A surprising feature is noticeable in our giving trends for our church. Two years ago, Calvary Community paid off its mortgage, so we are a debt-free church. I think we should applaud that. Not only is that a great gift for us today, and you think about all the economic turmoil that we've been going through, but it's, it's... such an amazing testimony of the faithfulness of God and, the, and God's people through the years. 1925, $1,400 raised to, a, to now, today, we have this facility and this land and a parsonage next door, and we're debt-free. Wow, it's a great gift. But something interesting has happened since paying off the mortgage. Our average giving has gone down in such a way that we've essentially lost the yearly mortgage payment uh, in our regular tithes and offerings to the tune of a little over $60,000 a year. So instead of having that money that once went to paying off the mortgage now reset designated to go to ministries, we've had to tighten our budgets The decrease in giving has resulted in a higher percentage of tithes and offerings going to salaries. Calvary employs three full-time pastors, employees, and four part-time staff pastors and employees. This is great in a lot of ways. We have pastors who have degrees. Three of us are fully ordained. And I think this represents knowledge and expertise that is helpful for a church that's trying to navigate very complex times. But friends, that model isn't sustainable for us. Last year, nearly 57% of our yearly operating budget went to salaries. My goal is to help us to get to the 45% range, which is what's suggested for churches our size. To do this, the church board and I have had to make some tough decisions already this year. Two full-time employees have received salary reductions. I'm one of them. And this is something that I did at my own behest with the board. Initially, when I came on at Calvary, I realized what was happening, and I knew that we couldn't sustain this. So I asked. I had to kind of fight with the board, actually, to do this. They didn't want to, uh, because they love their, their pastors and love to support their families. You have a great history of doing that, but we can't sustain that. If we need to continue to make course corrections we will have to do that going forward but I'm wondering if in presenting this to you we might be able to meet somewhere in the middle in the middle between cutting our way to a healthier percentage for our church and growing our way to it in other words the more we begin to receive in our tithes and offerings the less salaries take of the overall budget and the more goes into ministries The number I have in mind is essentially the yearly mortgage amount that has disappeared from our giving in the last couple years, $60,000. This represents about 12% of our operating budget, what I'm calling the missing piece. This amount seems significant, doesn't it? $60,000. And for a few of us to take that on, it really would be significant. But did you know that if you share that load out over 150 people or so, that that number doesn't seem quite so o- overwhelming. It turns out to be $8 a week. I was at Starbucks recently, and I ordered a venti quad vanilla latte, and that was a mistake. <laughs> because it cost me over 8 bucks. <laughs> I was a little shocked. Uh, I did need the extra added caffeine, though. So, but I'm thinking about my own life and some of the purchases of my life, And thinking, no, no, I could probably go without that every week. And if I could do that, then could you do that as well with me? Maybe this would mean giving above and beyond our regular tithes and offerings. Or maybe this would be the start of you moving towards tithing. In any case, I'm asking you to consider and pray about $8 a week. But to be clear... The end goal for us is not simply to reduce the percentage that salaries take for our church. The end goal is far more important, and that's to put more money back into ministries. And I want to start dreaming with you. We have an amazing facility right now, right? but so too do we have land. Some of you might not know this, but the parsonage on the the corner of our parking lot up here all the way back, that strip of land is ours as well, and we have lots of green space that surrounds our building. I'm wondering if we could use some of this to begin to expand our ministries at Calvary Community. Did you know that this year we are giving $16,250 to Venture? Out of our regular tithes and offerings for our church, we've designated $16,250 to go directly to Venture. And then we, on top of that, pay a part-time salary for David. But only $16,250 goes to do all of what we've said. And of course, they're fundraising beyond our church, that's true. And some of you individually might be giving extra to, to Venture, so thanks for doing that. Did you know that our food pantry is already limited on space? We're making it work, but if we, what if we were to dream bigger? Could we use some of our land to build an actual ministry center, add on to this building, or use the land behind our parsonage? I'm just wondering what might happen if we were to double or triple the amount that we give as a congregation to venture. How many new programs could be added could venture become a ministry that is drawing people onto our property five and six times a week. And here's why I think this is an important thing for us to consider. You see, one of the ways that we can break down the walls of hostility that we sometimes experience in our society today uh, when it comes to Christianity is by meeting people where they are, at their need, and offering uh, something to them, something tangible, like food. Addiction classes, educational opportunities, job training, parenting classes, financial management, trauma therapy, counseling, all so that they can learn to trust us and then in turn may receive the gospel of Jesus Christ in their life. Just imagine what tens of thousands of more dollars per year in our ministry budget might do Right now, our decision making is limited by tight margins. I just need you to know that. So, we're not even close to being ready to risk, take a risk like this. But it's not just risk that we need right now. We need some money to invest in what we do have. Our church building is, is beautiful in lots of ways, but we need new signage, and we've started in, inside. But did you know? I was kind of shocked to find out that we do not have a single piece of signage on our actual physical building on the outside of it the only thing that says that we are a church is the sign that's over here that you can't really even see from the corner i think we have to rectify that i think we need to advertise to our community that we are a church and here we are (laughs) you're invited to come inside And we need to do some updating in this very space. Our lighting in here, as you probably have noticed, is not great. We need to update the backdrop. I think there needs to be a little bit more of a dramatic feel as you walk into our sanctuary space on Sunday mornings. The missing piece that I've been talking to you about helps us not only think about the future and taking ministry risks that I think are really exciting And I want to see what God will do through that. But it also helps us to take care of the facility that we do have right now and make sure that we're using it to the best that we can. But friends, the challenges in front of us are not exclusively financial. We have a generational pipeline problem. We have a missing generation in our congregation. As of right now, we have children in our Calvary Kids program. And we have teens in our Calvary student program. And friends, we need to thank God for this because there are a whole lot of churches that don't have that luxury. Did you know that? Lots of churches don't have kids and don't have teens. But our numbers in our congregation are shrinking. And so you, as you look over our congregation, it's clear that we're missing a significant demographic, that 20 to 40 year age group. For some of you that I'm talking to right now, this represents your very kids' age group. They might have grown up in our church, but once they hit adulthood, we lost them for some reason. And there are no doubt lots and lots of reasons that that we've seen the millennial generation transition from church and from our church that we had no control over. But I'm convinced that we have control over some things. And so we're going to need to make some changes, I think, to try to figure out how we can be more appealing to that generation. Of course, this is not not meant to be done at the expense of those who already call Calvary Community Church of the Nazarene their home. You're here because you love this place. It means something to you. And so I don't want to destroy that, but we have to figure out new ways to minister so that we can bring in that missing generation It will be critical for us to have a spirit of grace and patience as we try new things and see what works and what doesn't. And I need you to keep inviting your kids to come back. Your kids that might keep saying, No, I need you to keep asking to come. I need you to offer to pick up your grandkids to come to church with you, to look for neighbor kids that might be ready to come, that you have connection with their parents, that they would trust you to bring them to church because we don't get to take that for granted anymore these days, do we? We all need to be engaged in this. But that's not all I'm going to ask of you. I've joked with you about the stoicism of upstate New York. It has been my observation that in general it seems like it takes a little bit of time for upstaters to receive somebody into their family um, to allow people to get close to them. Culturally, this is just what it is in upstate, and I've learned to adapt to it, and I ask you for amens, and you will give it back to me, so thank you. Uh, but friends, we can't afford for Calvary community to have that same culture. That might be how it is when we step outside of the walls of this space. But within the walls of this space, I need every Calvary member, every person that calls Calvary community their church home, to be watching out for guests and visitors. To be ready to go and greet them, to introduce yourself to them, to break the ice. It's not as if every single member or a person that calls Calvary home, needs to greet every single new face that comes into the walls of our church. But I think if we all take this as our responsibility and you feel empowered to do this, after all, I'm your pastor asking you to do this. You should feel empowered to do this. If we're all doing this together, then that means that when a new person comes into our church, they will have had multiple touch points, Multiple people introduce themselves, multiple ways to get connected to our church family. And I think ultimately that will be one of the things that helps us to retain people as they come. Lots of people come and are looking for a church home. And you have just a tiny little window to make a connection with them. And I can't be the only one that does that. And Carrie and Emily can't be the only one only ones that do that. We need each and every person that calls Calvary community home to be ready to do that. So one of the most critical ministries we have on Sundays is our greeters. You might not think it's the most critical, but I believe that in this day and age, it is one of the most critical. We're going to be offering a training for this ministry on Sunday, October 15th. After church, we'll have a lunch provided. And I'm just putting this out there, so if you're already in our greeting ministry, then please, we want you to join us with this, but if you're looking for a way to get involved in our church, if you are friendly and you love to meet people, this is a place for you to be a minister in our church. Yes, Brenda, please. Lots of you like to greet people. Uh, so you're invited to come to this. It will be a short training. It won't take all, all afternoon or anything. About an hour that we'll uh, train. And just make sure that we're all on the same page so that we can be careful with the people that are coming into our church. Friends, we have to have things for young families. And these things can't simply be offered at the same times that we've always offered them. Here's one of the examples of how this is becoming clear to me. 915 Sunday School. Used to work for a lot of people. And then as we have moved on, it's started working for some people. And it seems today in upstate New York, it's working for a few people. So we could try to jam People into this this system that we have and and say this is the only way that we're going to receive you into our church or we're gonna have to start flexing and doing new things so one of the new things that's happening is I'm changing the way that I'm doing my class that starts October 1st normal Sunday school time we will meet 915 and and do face-to-face and I'll be teaching uh, the book of Deuteronomy but I'm also going to offer that same material the same class uh, work will be offered in a Zoom class on Wednesday nights uh, for anyone to join if they would like. It used to be that getting ready for church wasn't such a big deal because, frankly, our lives weren't so overscheduled. But now Sunday morning rolls around and it's hard for young families to think about getting everybody ready for 9:15 Sunday school. It's enough that we can get them here for church. <laughs> we'll need to look at new services and different times and different days of the week going forward. And maybe these won't all be weekly. For instance, I envision a a once-a-month or quarterly senior-focused service. Can you imagine this with me? Where we invite our friends from Legacy right across uh, the way from the retirement community to come and have a short message in our sanctuary and a hymn sing, and let's provide dessert and a fellowship time afterwards. Doesn't that sound like fun? Or maybe we'll find that God in the next year or two will open up avenues and ways for us to have a college age group service. I don't know how this will all shake out, but what I do know is that what we have got to do is try some new things in our church. But this is going to require some flexibility on your part and a generous spirit from each one of us as we try things and probably stumble. And some of those things we try won't be successful, But I believe that if we are courageous and if we're diligent in doing this and if we're gracious with each other, then we're going to find our niche going forward and we're going to start seeing some of those younger families coming back. I recognize that I'm asking more questions than I'm giving answers to you. But I wonder if your pastor is vocalizing in a very public way questions that I'm wrestling with. Would it give you permission to wrestle with these questions on your own? Maybe come up with new questions. And that together as we do this, might we find that the Holy Spirit is stirring in our midst and is going to be guiding us, not just me, but us, into a new future together. But my lack of having exact answers for you today should not imply that this is optional for our congregation. It's not. Here's why. We can't keep doing children's ministry the way we've been doing it. Pastor Emily is spending far too many hours just trying to get weekly volunteers for a 9:15 Sunday school time that actually isn't, doesn't have that many kids in it. We can't afford to keep using and, in some sense, abusing Emily in that way. We need to free her up to think creatively and to do new things and to spend her time trying to meet people elsewhere, not just in the 9:15 Sunday school time. So friends, these are challenging times. There's no denying it. And part of the reason why I wanted to do this in front of all of you, even though this isn't traditional, is because I want you to be on board with this. I don't want this to be a surprise to you. I want us thinking and praying together as a church family as we wrestle with these challenges. But friends, I want want us to remember that we serve a great God who has been faithful to us, and we've already acknowledged that this morning, haven't we? So we should have every confidence that he will help us going forward. This would have been a good spot for you to say amen. Amen. (laughs) So let's try it again (laughs) We should have every confidence That God will help us meet the challenges going forward There you go See, you're with me (laughs) I wonder, what is God going to do In the next year, the next five years I'm excited, how about you? Oh, I know we're going to have some, some struggles along the way, and it's not going to be all, all fun and games. But I'm excited. And no matter what does happen, I think we will be declaring that, like the people before us, the many, many generations that have gone before us for this church, and you think of all of Christianity and all the generations that go all the way back to Jesus, I think we will be adding our voice to the praise that we started with. And so I'm wondering, would you recite these words from Psalm 77 with me? We will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, we will remember your miracles of long ago. We will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God. God, you are great. You are so far beyond our imagination. And we've only scratched the surface of how awesome you are in the history of your faithfulness to this very congregation. And that's to say nothing of all of our friends that are worshiping around us in this very community where you've been faithful to their churches. And we think of all of upstate New York and all over our country that there are churches gathered together right now lifting up your holy name who have history in their congregations of how you have been faithful to them. And God, it's not just in our country. It's all over the globe. In fact, in this very congregation, we have those with connections to Jamaica and Nigeria and beyond, that you have been faithful in their countries. And we think about the history that goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. There you have been, the God that is making a way, that is doing miraculous things. We praise you today for all the successes and all that all the good that has happened in the last six months. Thank you for our children, for the ways that they are being discipled. And and sometimes it's hard to tell with kids because it's hard to know what they retain and what they're focused on. But God, seeds are being planted. Each and every time that they gather in our children's ministry, seeds are being planted and, and their lives are being shaped by you. And for that, we want to say thank you. Oh, would you bless Pastor Emily and continue to work through her, God? As we're facing the challenges of, of life changing and, and patterns of life changing, would you help us this coming year to find new ways to reach young families? God, I'm so thankful for our teenagers, for their very presence in our worship. You're doing good things in their lives. And God, I pray that in the midst of of worshiping with us and and being in this space that they're getting a sense that this is home for them. It's not for when they become an adult, but right now. That in fact, some of the ways that we might need to adapt and change in in the coming years might come from the very wisdom of our teenagers, God. So would you bless them? Would you bless Pastor Carrie as she's guiding and facilitating, trying to disciple our teenagers? God, would you continue to bring healing to her? I thank you for venture, for the ways that it is making inroads into our community and breaking down those dividing walls of hostility. We don't know what's happening when we just hand out food, but I think you're at work. And God, I just pray that you would begin to grow and and multiply this ministry in such a way that we would find more and more people coming onto our campus so that they could know who we are and, and some of those perceptions about Christianity would begin to fall apart because actually they experience what Christianity really is in our people. And God, I just pray that you would do something miraculous. Thank you for Tyler and his leading of our worship ministries. God, would you continue to bless this ministry? And as we look at ways that we need to to look at at our worship service and adapting and changing in the future months and years, I pray, God, that you would stir in our worship team for our Sunday school leaders, for our small group leaders, for our discipleship ministries, our men's ministry, our couples group, women's ministry. That's that's beginning to. To reform, God, I don't know what's all going to happen this coming uh, second half of the year. But I think you're moving and you're working in our lives and for that we want to say thank you. Would you help us each, those of us that call this church home, would you help us to find our part? To be the volunteer and the ministers that we need to be so that this can be an outpost of your grace and your mercy for many generations to come. We give this church to you because it is, it is your church. It's not ours. We're just caretakers for a season, and so would you find us to be faithful stewards of your church? And the lives that come into this church, God, would you help us? to be caretakers, to be people of grace and mercy and forgiveness, gentleness and kindness. Would you help us to be like you to the people that we minister with? Now, God, as we come to the table, we have to confess that we feel ill-equipped. I feel ill-equipped to lead the church in such a difficult time of um, of our country, just the way that things are changing in the, in the way that people live their lives and pattern their lives, church is finding itself pushed to the sidelines and it's challenging and it's hard and it's scary. And much like the Israelites that were leaving the slavery of Egypt and moving into the promised land, they had to just rely on you That each and every day you are going to provide the the strength that was needed, the wisdom that was needed, the food that was needed. God, would you help Calvary community in this coming season to be people that are just relying on you for our daily sustenance. Whatever may come tomorrow, would you help us to be your people to meet that challenge. So we want to come to the table today. With empty hands because we don't have a lot to offer you, but you have a lot to offer us. And somehow when we experience your grace and your forgiveness and your sanctification, somehow we, our very selves, our our little bits of talents and and some of the things that we do have, a little bit of money, a little bit of time, somehow you can take those and, and do amazing things. And so God, I pray that as we come to the table this morning that we'll come empty-handed, ready to receive your grace, but ready to do your work, knowing that you now go with us into the wilderness. You're going to guide us and lead us, and we can trust you. God, I thank you for those who have been faithful. Thank you for the faithfulness in their tithes and offerings. I thank you for the faithfulness of volunteering in ministries. We are who we are, because of your good people in front of me. So God, thank you for blessing my life with them. Thank you for stirring in the midst of us that somehow in this weird way, I'm their pastor. Totally unexpected, but here I am, and I'm grateful this morning. So would you meet us now? We ask in Christ's name, amen. Amen. I have... Helpers that are coming to the tables right now. And I just want to invite you, you don't have to run. We have a few moments here. You don't have to run to, to the tables to get the, the bread and the juice. But I just want you to know that you don't have to be a member of our congregation to participate in communion with us. We have an open table in the Church of the Nazarene where we just ask that you examine yourself. If you're right with God, then we invite you to come and receive the grace. If you're not right and you feel God is stirring, even though we haven't had our traditional sermon today, maybe you felt like God is stirring. Guess what, friends? This can be a moment of grace for you, a moment of salvation. If it's not a moment of salvation, then for the rest of us, it is a moment of sanctification. Oh God, would you take my life? And would you do whatever it is that you need to do for your glory? That is the way of holiness. God, would you consecrate these elements for us? They are just symbols for us that represent the broken body of Jesus Christ and his spilt blood for us. I pray, God, that they would become means of grace for us in this moment that we meet you. Would you help us to sense that you are very much here with us right now? We ask in Christ's name.